Welcome to the Future Church Podcast, powered by Exponential, a podcast about innovative and emerging ideas in the North American church. With the need for the gospel in our generation, we must not look for a silver bullet approach. We believe there are many expressions to the local church, and we are seeking to discover and highlight new and effective ways that churches can impact our world with the gospel. For more information about Exponential's resources and upcoming events, visit exponential.org. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Future Church Initiative podcast. I'm Todd Wilson, the founder of Exponential, and uh, this series of podcasts is really intended to look at uh, innovation in the future of the church. And as we're coming out of the pandemic, uh, looking at different dimensions that might shape the future of the church. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Tammy Lakey. Uh, Tammy's from Newton, Kansas, and uh, just really uh, glad to have you, Tammy. Glad you're with us. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you reside in Newton, Kansas. Let's uh, let's just start off a little bit here. Why don't you give us the quick overview of what you do? So what we do here in Newton is we have a copy shop that our nonprofit, So Shine, owns. We run it as a co-vocational ministry, and it has helped us to build so many relationships in our community, which then we all know that, like, Gospel is most evidently seen in relationship, and through those relationships, we can have good gospel-centered conversation with our neighbors. Well, let me press into just even one thing we're going to do is is talk some of these terms. So uh, let me echo back what you said. Okay. You started a co-vocational coffee shop. Yes. So let's just pause on that one. What is a co-vocational coffee shop? So basically, we... we purchased this existing coffee shop that was a for-profit coffee shop, um, and we moved it to another location. And our goal with the coffee shop was to make a profit that would then pay us as missionaries, but also contribute to the flourishing of our community. Um, so, so that is what we do. We have a successful coffee shop. We're making the money that we need to make to be able to do the ministry and mission in our community that uh, God has put on our hearts to do. So really, it's it it it's a business that's making enough money to pay the bills and then put money into ministry of some kind. Yes. And when you say uh, the idea of a flourishing community, what what does that mean in connection to a coffee shop? Then how how's the link to a flourishing community? Well, the way we see it, we just hired our thirteenth staff person on payroll. So not only do we employ 13 people in our community, but we also sell things in our community. So we're collecting sales tax that goes back into the infrastructure of not only our community, but our state. Um, We bring people to our downtown. We're a small town of just under 18, 19,000 people. And so when people come to Newton, they can go get pizza at the pizza place. They can uh, go check out the little shops that are on Main Street next to us. And they can come check out our beautiful space in downtown Newton. Uh, Our building is old, but it's refurbished. And we did it with um, nods to the history, not only of our building, but to our town. Hmm. The, uh, you know, the idea looking at the future of church and this idea of co-vocational, bivocational, co-vocational is something that a lot of people are looking at these days. 
Do you make a distinction between co-vocational and bivocational, or you've just chosen to use that term? I think there is a distinction. For me, the option was only co-vocational, meaning that I was going to work this and this is my this is my missionary income. This is what I'm doing. When I see bivocational, I think that is a great way for pastors to have an income while they're building their church. But I think the end goal with bivocational ultimately is that the church would be their 100% uh, financial support for the the pastor or leader and his or her family. And and how um, the idea of a faith community um, you know, there's there's mission fields with missionaries, and you've you've just referred to part of co-vocational as being a missionary or seeing it as your mission. Mm-hmm. Where does the church fit in the middle of this? Is the, is there a strategy to start churches? Is it the church? Is it connected to a church? Or how would you integrate church with the mission field part? Well, I'm going to throw out another word for us to probably unpack in a little bit, but I would say that we're a fresh expression of church. And when I use that term, I think about the fact that there are people in our communities that have an idea. When you say the word church, they have a thought that pops into their mind. And my heart, our heart and our desire here in Newton is that we can take a community that was based and founded with Mennonite values. So uh, they they have those thoughts already in their head, but that we might be able to show them the person of Christ in our words and in our actions, that they might be open to rethinking what church actually means, and that 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 like relationship that we're building with them and showing them that fresh expression would give us more opportunity to engage them in conversation. Oh, that's great. And so there's an organic part to it, which is easy to think about in a coffee shop. So let, mm-hmm. let's just play this out for a minute. Um, there are people who come to your coffee shop. They probably become regulars. You get to know them by name. There's a little bit of a family dynamic there. And so I'm assuming you're starting to have some conversations of faith with people. Much of this, just like, you know, whether it's the evangelistic end of things or, the you know, seeing yourself as a missionary with this mission field is there a goal here or is it just not part of it to, to now, if you bring it back to the traditional church, not the fresh expression of what this outpost is, but what does church then mean? If you're wildly successful with people who come to the coffee shop, what does that look like in terms of faith and church at that point? How does it integrate with faith and church? So I will often tell people that the mission is the informing factor of everything that we do. And so my goal when I'm building relationships with our customers is to just find ways that we can point them to Jesus or to kingdom values. So we operate by nine guiding principles here at the coffee shop. And right now our staff is all like-minded. So we're all followers of Jesus. We're all believers. And so easily we say the fruit of the spirit, but we have had, and we do have volunteers and staff members that aren't yet followers of Christ. And so we operate under the principles of, you know, we want our customers to feel joy when we're there in this space. And the reason we want them to experience joy is because joy is a kingdom value. Uh, We want to express uh, a place of peace for people so that when people come into our coffee shop, they know that they're accepted just the way that they are. And that puts them at ease and actually provides opportunity for us to have those conversations. 
that are gospel centered. Mm-hmm. And, in, and and I'm going to keep using the word traditional church versus maybe a fresh expression for a second. So yeah. would m- most of your 13 employees then attend a traditional church separate from the coffee shop environment or do they see the coffee shop as their church? All 13 attend a brick and mortar church that is not our coffee shop every every week. Got it. Okay. Well, here's what I like to do, Tammy. Usually there's a backstory. I, I'm, I'm crazy about personal calling and kind of getting at people's calling. And you, I, I've heard you say that just part of the joy for you is this idea of a missionary with a mission field. And, and you'd like to see a flourishing town of Newton, Kansas. Um, so I, I want to do two things. I want to go back in time to when you're a kid and see if we, I, I just want to see the nuggets of your calling in this. Mm-hmm. And then I want to come back to present day, you know, next and and talk about, so what's the big dream into the future? You've got a coffee shop and then what is it that you're wanting to see as a dream? But let's go back first. Calling, okay. you're a kid. Do you see any roots in what you're doing now from when you were a kid? Absolutely. Um, I grew up in the church. And so Sunday nights, those were the nights that missionaries came and they shared with the congregation kind of updates for what they were doing and where they were doing it. And I remember just very clearly as a seven or eight year old, uh, just knowing that God was calling me to be a missionary. And I didn't know what that looked like, but that calling has been on my life as as long as I can remember. Uh, I you know, fast forward through to young adulthood, I met my husband and we settled here in this area and uh, becoming a missionary, at least in the way that I thought of a missionary, didn't happen. Um, We adopted from China uh, four times. And so getting into another culture, we kind of just assumed like, oh, we're going to China. Then it got us thinking about what it looked like to live cross-culturally. Then God kind of closed that door and it was clear and I'm so thankful that it was clear, but the calling on my life and the way that my mind thought about being a missionary, uh, it, it never changed. And so it kind of just got redirected um, as a 30 something year old person. I went through perspectives on the world Christian movement and that even further gave me the idea of, okay, if I was going to be a missionary, what are the things that I would do? How would I interact with the culture I was in? So I would learn the language. I would get to know the shopkeepers in my neighborhood. I would learn the history of the place that I was going into so that I would be able to show the people that I was in. And so uh, we we felt like God was calling us to be sent to Newton and my husband and I really just approached being sent to Newton as being missionaries to Newton in all the same ways that we would, for lack of a, of a better picture, um, incarnate into another culture. We just decided to do that exact same thing here in Newton. And let's say you you hadn't had this awakening to, I'll say, being an everyday missionary where Newton, Kansas is the mission field. And you're and you're in the coffee business now. What do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing the coffee shop, or doing it at least the way you're doing it right now? Would you still be in the coffee business, you think, or would it be something else? Or I probably would just be doing something else. Honestly, uh, I spent the first twenty some years of our married life being a stay at home mom, and so <laughs> we are in the process of raising six kids. 
and I enjoyed every every day that I got to do that. But there there was something in my heart that knew that God had been preparing me up until this point to do something different. So I, I think if it wasn't this ministry, it might be something else. This is just kind of how, through circumstances, I ended up being able to be more of a vocational minister. But why why a coffee shop? What's the what's the story, the backstory of the coffee shop here? Well, I love coffee. <laughs> and honestly, my husband and I had at, at times talked about like we could start a coffee shop. The the beauty of our coffee shop is that we actually purchased an existing coffee shop in town that at one point was actually started alongside a church plant. So there was already this coffee shop that was serving our community well. Um, so we wouldn't have started another one in our community. However, because we were able to purchase this existing coffee shop, uh, we were able to just kind of take the baton and keep going with it forward. Um, I, I also think coffee shops are really a good example of a third place. And uh, it, it's an opportunity for the community to gather uh, without a whole lot of assumptions coming into it. So like if we walked out the door of my coffee shop right now into the dining room space, we would see a wide variety of people. Like we would see so many different people from so many different walks of life in our space right now. And I think it's a leveler. So we can begin to build community in a way, in a coffee shop or in a third place that maybe we couldn't build as organically or as easily uh, if we had chosen a different kind of business. Hmm. What, because as a kid, you kind of saw missionaries and were thinking you'd be a missionary. And there was probably a stereotype of that, maybe overseas and, you know, leaving the U.S. to go somewhere. But you you have this aha moment. I want to press into the aha moment a little bit about this idea of being called to be missionaries to Newton. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that the average Christian does not see themselves as an everyday missionary where they work, live, and play. So, and in your story, what I'm hearing is that was something God had to work on you on that came before the co-vocational coffee shop part of this was the, hey, we're called to be missionaries. So why do you think so few Christians see themselves as missionaries? And what, if anything, was like the key trigger point? If you were talking to pastors now hmm. who have a whole bunch of people in their churches that don't see themselves as everyday missionaries— What's the trigger point to that? Like, how, how do we mobilize more people into that thinking? I've heard it taught on many times through some of even the speakers through Exponential. So I'll just say like Brad Briscoe, he has a whole theology of the sending language of scripture, like that he, he unpacks very, very well. And it's that whole uh, picture that Jesus it was a sent missionary, essentially. The Father sent Jesus to the world, and then Jesus then tells his disciples, just like the Father sent me here, I'm sending you. So I think that that, like, that point where it just clicked for me was, I'm sent. And I had never really seen myself as having the equipping to be able to be that sent person. I don't have I don't have even a college degree, let alone seminary, a seminary degree. And so it would be really easy for me at the time, a stay-at-home mom, to just see myself as being a stay-at-home mom. But there are so many opportunities to say, this is where I'm sent to. How can God use where I'm at 
to be a missionary, to be able to point others to Christ in, in that, that context. Hmm. The, um, let, let's talk about a little bit, um, the dream here. I know you've started the one coffee shop, but you've also coached a couple other people into a similar co-vocational thing. Um, talk a little bit about the dream. It's obviously more than an individual coffee shop. So what does it look like uh, to fulfill the dream at this point? So for us, the process really was just a lot of listening um, in our neighborhood, seeing what was needed. Um, and it was a process. It, it wasn't something that like we sat down one day and said, what can we do? Let's start a coffee shop. It was a series of of days and weeks and months of us kind of saying, God, show us where you're at work in our community and how we might be able to be part of that. So what the dream is, is not so much replicating many, many coffee shops, but to be able to come alongside people who see themselves as sent missionaries mm -hmm. and help them walk through that process that we walked through, which was, you know, let's Let's prayer walk our neighborhoods. Let's open our, ask God to open our eyes to see what's already happening and, um, and, and to take notes. And then for him to show us where he's already at work and invite us into that. So uh, our coffee shop that we helped to start in Russia, the gal that started that coffee shop, she has a huge heart for the art community because she is herself an artist. And so that is where her niche is. She um, can connect with people through ceramics, especially. And that's what it looked like for her. Um, the gal that started a coffee shop here in the States that we helped coach through, she is married to a veteran and she saw the need for an ongoing ministry to veterans and their families. And so that's the flavor that her coffee shop takes on. But it could just as easily be somebody who has been given and, and learned the skills of being an auto mechanic and him realizing that in caring for uh, people's vehicles and teaching them how to maybe care for their own vehicles, that could be a ministry. And so it has much more to do with how has God equipped me for the context that he's put me in and how can we like take that concept and make it missional. So I, if I can echo back to make sure I'm understanding it right, mm -hmm. the, the scaling part of this is, is not to try to have a movement of coffee shops. It isn't how do we reproduce a whole bunch of coffee shops. It is how do we come alongside everyday Christians and help them <coughs> reshape their thinking to see themselves as missionaries and to link it to this co But co-vocational is a key part that you do have to put food on the table. So how do you, how do you see your livelihood and your mission mm -hmm sort of co-vocationally and how do you discover what that is in your setting is that what we're talking about that's absolutely it i would i would even go so far as to say if we can kind of take down that wall of the sacred secular divide when it comes to our work if we can see every bit of the work that we do as followers of christ as being sacred because he has sent us to that job and to those people for a reason I think that's really empowering to followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. And how do you, how do, how do we get our hands around this idea? Um, the strength of what you're doing is you're a practitioner. You're not teaching a theory here. You're, you're living a practice and now you're wanting 
to come alongside, and you're and you're already doing this. I think your words are coaching people into into existence, sort of thing in these in these co-vocational uh, businesses. But you, you're a practitioner doing it. But there's an aspect that you could look at this and say, why in the world isn't the church seeing itself as the largest mobilizer? of missionaries and like seeing every single person. So, and and now you lose a little bit of the practitioner part there if it just becomes a teaching part in the church, but how do we keep what you're doing and the scalability of it? Like if you really are going to take Newton and you're going to change the conversation in Newton with 20,000 people changing that conversation, can we really do that without linking what you're doing to the church? And how do we keep it in some way, you know, by trans- just like you're wanting to transform the thinking of individuals as missionaries, how do we simultaneously transform the thinking of leaders in churches so they can see themselves as incubators for this? I think that the the most critical piece is going to be that we keep being practitioners. And I have no plans as we move forward with our dream of being able to mobilize Christians to be able to do this. My vision for that is that they would come alongside us while we're pushing our sleeves up and while we're doing this work and see how, like, see how it's working. So my view, our view of discipleship is, is doing it together. Like, that's how I'm going to disciple somebody into this way is come spend a couple of weeks with us or in my own community, come volunteer with us with our our ministry things that we get to do in our community. And let's figure this out together. And while we're doing it, while we're serving a meal to the community or while we're providing an after school program or whatever that looks like, we can talk about how we landed here and why this is important. And through that, we can help talk through what their context looks like and what that might look like for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the practitioner piece has been just solidly central to this whole vision of, of co-vocational ministry from the very beginning, seven years ago, I would say, that, that I wanted to have the stories to be able to share, but then share from an ongoing experience because our culture is changing so rapidly. If I had stories to tell of something that happened 10 years ago, it could be a really great story and it could be, there could be like applicable things from that story, but I'm telling the story in real time as our culture and our world is changing and shifting um, sometimes day by day. Mm. You know, a, a lot of times what churches are doing or networks are doing is they they either have some kind of apprenticing program or intern program or a hub of some kind for training or whatever. Do you have plans for any of that kind of thing? Like how do you scale up the number of people you're able to coach in something like this? So we actually just signed a lease for a new building that we've moved some of our ministry activity to just a block north of where the coffee shop is. And our, our goal is within the next year to be a ministry hub. We we have not only office space to be able to welcome people here in our community, but to welcome people from outside of our community. Uh, the new space even includes um, an area that we will turn into a hostel. So if people want to come to Newton for a week or two weeks or a month or two months and do ministry with us life on life, rolling up our sleeves and doing this together, we can we can do that according to what that person desires and needs. 
So yeah, we, that is our dream. That's our vision. And then just to mobilize and send them back into their context with tools, which are very, very simple. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. It's yeah. very simple and very organic, but, and then to be an on, ongoing encouragement to them in that missionary activity. And how would you describe the, I'll call it the demand, but the uh, interest level by others in this kind of thing? When I talk to people about what we're doing in Newton, usually the first response is, oh, I could never, dot, 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 whatever that looks like. And I think the beautiful thing, like the thing I love most about the story God's writing in my life is I could never. <laughs> like I said, I, I don't have a college degree. I don't have seminary education. And yet I read the word of God just like you read the word of God. And I see that he is sending us. And so um, I think it's just helping people see that their work can be redeemed. It can be kingdom driven. So I just was having this conversation with one of my Main Street neighbors the other day. And she was like, oh, I think it's great that you can do that. And my you know, encouragement to her was, you get to work with the community every single day with what you're doing. There's a way that you can also do this. And it might flesh out a little bit differently, but you're sent to your customers in the same way I'm sent to my customers. And the more we can see ourselves and our work through that lens, I think that's going to be when we will see the church, capital C Church, mobilized to be that driving force that we were just talking about. Mm. All right. As we're winding down here, Tammy, you, you've you said that one of the benefits of this approach with co-vocational and, and running a business that functions like a ministry is that you're able to then put funds or resources into the community. Can you give an example of that with, you know, just so people can get a real tangible thing here from here's a coffee shop, but then how does that translate into time, energy, money into the community beyond the coffee shop? So the thing that we are most known for in our community right now is uh, we have an after-school program. And we launched that like two and a half weeks after we opened the coffee shop when the school year started. We have an after-school program for our fifth and sixth graders in our town. They all go to one school, which is just a stone's throw at our back door here at Norms. And so that's how we started. So we provide this as a free service. All of the fifth and sixth graders can come to our space and we give them a free snack, a cup of cool water and mentor volunteers that will invest into their lives and to walk with them as they finish school in our community. Uh, we did outgrow our space. And so that's why we just signed a lease on a new space. But it's still literally a half a block the other direction from that same school. So and but even in that, the the amount of community buy-in to what we're doing, I just got an email yesterday from the assistant superintendent of our school district inviting me to do part of their professional day training throughout this next school year because we have a good connection to the families in our community in a way that the teachers and administrators in our school district don't have. So the ministry is even beyond just to the fifth and sixth graders, we're now able to to be a conduit between those families and the people that are teaching and educating their kids. Great. Well, hey, other than uh, money and sending checks to help you, what uh, how can people be praying for you? what What are the top needs that you have in this ministry at this point? I think right now my heart, our desire is to start really mobilizing on a larger scale. And so in the coming months, we're going to try to figure out a kind of plan for what that actually looks like. And, and we want 
we want to be able to make it to where if people could only make space for a week that we can do in a week, what will at least give them the tools to be able to go back to their communities and start doing this there. Um, so I just want to tell our story. Like, honestly, I think that what God's doing here is um, it's not spectacular and yet it's miraculous and spectacular too. And so to be able to share our story, I would say is the biggest prayer that we have. Mm. Well, keep up the great work, Tammy. It's really exciting. I look forward to seeing where things are headed. There's a lot of us that believe this sort of uh, covo, bivo, micro future is really uh, where things are headed with the mobilization of the priesthood of all believers. So we'll be watching carefully what you're doing. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Todd. 